0: All right, going to be looking at Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 6. Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 6. I'm a mac and cheese fan. As a matter of fact, I believe mac and cheese might be one of our, uh, one of our meals for our Man Up Conference this year. Mac and cheese with sausage in it. That might be it. Wouldn't that be great? Mac and cheese with sausage in it. That is pure comfort food. But we don't want to talk too much about food tonight, do we? We have meat to eat that the world knows not of. The Lord. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. So Joel is, uh, Joel, uh, excuse me, Isaiah is, Isaiah is speaking and is the voice of the Lord, and he wants the people to know, you know, he's speaking for the God here. God is telling them, I need to tell you your, your sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your labor. So that's the answer to the question. You know, the Israelites want to know, they're very religious. They want to know why in their fasting has God not answered? And he says, In the day of your fast, you find pleasure. And you exploit all your laborers. You fast for strife and debate, to strike, to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. So, God basically is indicting the Israelites. There's a lot of hatred, a lot of strife, a lot of exploitation going on. It was all religious or external, there wasn't an inward reality. God's not listening to them. Verse 5, is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? And so God is indicting them. They're going through the motions. They're doing what seemingly is the right thing to do. You know, They're, they're, they're spreading out the sackcloth. They're bowing their head. It's, you know, but it's all outward. It's all outward. Israel was very backslidden. They're doing it as a religious observance. It's not a real real reality. And then the Lord says this in verse 6, is this not the fast that I have chosen? So this is the fast that God chooses. God's chosen fast. Fasting, overcoming evil. It's number one, to loose the bonds of wickedness, which I talked about last week. Number two, to undo the heavy burdens. I talked about that last week. And then I'll talk about these next two tonight. To let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. There's four things that God wants to do in a fast. Four things right there in verse six. He wants to loose the bonds of wickedness. Fasting breaks the power of sin in your life. So it is good and right if you're going through this 21 days of fasting and praying and you're saying, Lord, I got this sinful habit or I get this secret area and uh, this sin seems to have power over me and uh, fasting can loose that power, can set you free, can bring you into victory and uh, maybe in this black box, some of you... uh, have put down maybe sins or habits that you want to be broken in your life, and you might be wondering, is it good for me to be fasting about this? The answer to that is yes, it is good. It's the fast that God has chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Number two, to undo the heavy burdens. And that's another thing that the fasting will do. It will turn your burden into a blessing. You know, we get burdened down, and God wants to undo heavy burdens. We get burdened down in life. Come unto me, all you that are burdened, all you that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So we get all burdened down. The weight of responsibility, the the problem in our family, it's just like this burden. You know, legalism. And religious observance can be like a burden. When Jesus was walking this earth, I mean, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, I mean, the law and legalism and all the commands of men that they added to the commands of God and and they had to obey and keep this. And man, they were burdened. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart and you shall find rest for your souls. uh, It was basically a rabbinic. The teachings of the rabbi was called their yoke. And so rabbis all had different kinds of teachings and requirements that they required of their students. Some were more strict than others. But it's very they had to observe it. The students had to observe the teachings of the rabbi and, and do all that they required. And it was considered their yoke. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, my yoke is easy. Jesus doesn't place a list of do's and don'ts on us he's a God of grace. Am I right about that? Just a wonderful God of grace. His yoke is easy. I mean, you're saved by grace. You're loved by God. You're already accepted in the beloved. You're blessed in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's already pleased with you. He can't. You can't make him love you any more than he already loves you. Your name is written in the book of life. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's for you. He's with you. He's in you. I mean, that's a pretty light yoke, isn't it? That's a pretty light yoke. And so fasting will undo heavy burdens. And maybe you're burdened down over something, finances, a family problem, issues at work, burdened down with responsibilities, the cares of this life. Maybe you're burdened over our nation Anybody burdened over our nation? You see the news and you're worried or concerned. I, I get that. I, I watch the news. I read the articles. And next thing I know, I feel this weight coming on me. Oh, my gosh. What is happening here? And uh, we need to turn from this. And, uh, you know, it becomes like this, this burden. Well, fasting can undo heavy burdens. Let's take a look at these last two. To let the oppressed go free. Being oppressed distressed, depressed, discouraged, heavy-hearted, hopeless, despair. Those are horrible words, aren't they? Well, fasting can let the oppressed go free. How about you tonight? Do you feel trapped in a situation in which you cannot see a purpose or a way out? Do you feel hopeless. Fasting and praying is really a cure for unbelief. And so when you fast and pray, faith arises in your heart. And I want you to know that that faith can believe God to lift the spirit of heaviness off of you. And why do I say fasting and praying is a cure for unbelief? Because Jesus taught about this. It's a story in Matthew chapter 17. And uh, Jesus had been transfigured, and him and uh, the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, were coming down off the mountain. And as they came down off the mountain, he, the other nine disciples were trying to cast out a spirit out of a child, but they could not. And Jesus says, you're faithless. Why can't we do it? Because of a lack of faith. A lack of faith. So I'm reading this story here in Matthew 17. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast a out? You know, he had given the, the 12 power and authority and sent them out. And they were given power and authority over the evil one. And they went about preaching the gospel, announcing the kingdom, and and, and healing and delivering. But in this case... They seem to lack the power to do it, so they're wanting to know. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So you have unbelief. This kind comes out by prayer and fasting. So if you link the cause and the cure, unbelief, the cure for unbelief in the disciples fast, because this is called the disciples fast, is prayer and fasting. That's the cure for the unbelief. So if you've got this oppression and uh, you, you just can't seem to shake it, And if you pray and fast, God can speak to you, do a work in you, quicken faith in you. And next thing you know, you're empowered by the Lord. Prayer and fasting increases your faith so you can cast out the despair, the darkness, the depression. Now, one thing I've learned about oppression, discouragement, depression, things of this nature, is that the devil loves to lie to you about it and we can believe his lies. Depression is part of your family history. You're simply made this way. There is no hope for you. Man, that's hopeless, isn't it? We're never hopeless with the Lord, for all things are possible. Another lie of the devil is you must learn to live with your anxiety, Well, doesn't he say his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Does he promise us to lift that spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise? Do we have to live in a state, a constant state of anxiety? I don't think so. The enemy is stronger than you. This thing is stronger than you. There's no way you'll ever defeat it. That also is a lie of the enemy, I think of Bible characters that were oppressed or depressed, and I'm sure you can think of some as well. The first one that comes to my mind is Elijah. Elijah, after a great victory, he gets so depressed or discouraged or a darkness in the soul that he is actually wishing to die. Now, that's that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad, Elijah. You know, uh, I think that the queen there, Jezebel, was threatening to kill him, and Elijah also was all alone. He didn't even know that there were 5,000 that had not bowed their knee to Baal. I mean, he's, he's he's a prophet, and he's seemingly out there all by himself, and he just won this great battle. He had run a great distance, so he's tired, he's hungry, he's alone. He's fearful, and all that worked in him, this this deep, dark discouragement where he wished to die. So we see right there that the cure for discouragement in that case is friends, physical rest, trust and faith in God, and that can lift it, you see. Can you think of another Bible character that dealt with oppression? Oppression? David did. Who said that? I mean, he, he really up and, uh, and then he ended up isolated. David? You're talking about David? Yeah, David did. You read the book of Psalms, and well, i tell you what, uh, there's one particular psalm. I, I can't think of the the, the the number of it, but there's absolutely no... Hope in that psalm at all. You know, every psalm except that one has a turning to God. It can be very dark. Psalms can be very dark because they reveal uh, just the challenges of the human emotion as you go through great trial or you're attacked by the enemy or you feel alone. And many times the emotion of the psalmist comes out and it can be very, very dark or, or they're very discouraged or very sorrowful or defeated. But uh, in every psalm, there's a, but I will look to you. Or I will trust in the Lord. You know, they they turn to God, which is awesome. But there's one psalm that there is no turning to God whatsoever in that psalm. It's just a dark psalm, the darkest that was written. It can be that way sometimes. You know, you can go through a very, very dark time. I I think about this guy, Ahab, who uh, he wanted Naboth's vineyard, and uh, he wanted to sell it to him. And so the Scripture says he got all sullen, and he laid down and turned his face to the wall. And his wife comes, Jezebel, and says, why are you so sad? Why are you so, so discouraged? Why are you so angry? And he says, you know, because Naboth won't sell me his vineyard. And she says, I'll get the vineyard for you. And she gets a, hatches this evil plot and murders the guy. And there's your vineyard. Now take possession of it. Boy, oh, that's so angered God. But he was so narcissistic. He, he was depressed because he didn't get his way. That's narcissism, isn't it? He didn't get his way. Sometimes people are discouraged because life is not going their way. They're not getting their way. You ever see a little child that pouts because they don't get their way? Well, we're little children sometimes. Ahab was that way. I think about this guy, Jonah. Jonah was rebellious, disobedient, Very discouraged, very depressed there at the end of the book of Jonah. And you you know what? He was angry. Jonah was the disobedient, angry prophet. Just so mad at God. Just mad at God. He is mad that God saved the Ninevites and showed them mercy because they repented at his preaching. He was mad that, that, that that the worm ate the plant and the sun was beating down on him. He wished he would just simply die. I once read this quote. Uh, it was a clinical quote about depression. And they said, depression is anger turned inward. Well, you see that in the life of Jonah. If you know somebody that's depressed or deeply discouraged, sometimes it's anger turned inward. You know, they're just so mad at life or mad at God or mad at Whoever is messing with their life. This is what the Bible says. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Boy, that's a lifting of depression, distress, and oppression. And when you fast and pray, if you deal with just a lot of darkness and discouragement and heavy-heartedness, if you're dealing with that, believe that God is going to use your fasting and praying to let that oppression go and to set you free from it. Can you believe God for that? I shared this with our ministers on Tuesday. We had a, pa- a pastor's conference at our church, a, a just a round table, a small one, and I, I talked about how joy is the healthiest human emotion. Because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. And uh, one modern translation talks about the dried bones as like a bone cancer. It gets very brittle, very dry, very painful. A broken spirit just rots you on from the inside out. But a a merry heart is like a medicine. Uh, So it's a healthy emotion. It's the opposite of... Oppression, depression, darkness, despair, and discouragement. So fasting and praying can set you free. If you know somebody that you love and they deal with this, when you fast and pray, bring their name up before God. The Lord loves to set the oppressed free. Amen? How about this next one? To break every yoke. Going to look at this a little bit different than maybe you think. You might be thinking of the yoke of sin, the yoke of that habit, and certainly it can break that. But I want to talk about it in the sense of relationships. You know, when you're in a relationship, you're yoked to a person, right? Who are you yoked to? Who have you partnered with? Who have you made an alliance with? Who do you have a soul tie with? He can break every yoke or soul tie. You can have a soul tie to a person. You can have a soul tie to a lie, a deception, even a false doctrine. One of the examples in the Bible, I always think about this guy, this guy is King Jehoshaphat. Now, he was a, a good king, a righteous king. But he made an alliance. He was the king of Judah, who was in the south. That's where Jerusalem is, King Josaphat. He made an alliance with the king of Israel, which was the north, the northern part. Israel and Judah were divided into two separate nations for a while. And he made an alliance with the king of Israel, whose name was Ahab. So here's this righteous king. He makes an alliance with King Ahab. By marrying his daughter, Athaliah. And Athaliah was a wicked woman who murdered all her children so that she might be the queen. I don't know if you remember that story. But Jehoshaphat made an alliance with King Ahab. He became tied to him. And when Ahab would have a battle or a war to fight, Jehoshaphat would have to come and enter into this battle, enter into this war, and come to his assistance. I don't know if you ever remember the story of the digging of the ditches and uh, God put, filling the ditches with water, then the enemy seeing like it's blood, and then God doing a great victory. That was Jehoshaphat and Ahab. And Jehoshaphat was all caught up in that battle. Listen, The alliances, the partnerships, the relationships you meet, make, you need to make sure that they're God-ordained and God-glorifying. Otherwise, you'll end up fighting battles you normally wouldn't have to fight. Am I right about that? In the book of Corinthians, it talks about uh, the soul tide that occurs when a man and a woman, and they're not married, have sexual intercourse. The joining of that spirit With that spirit. I'm talking about a married relationship where it's honored by God and blessed by God and the two become one flesh and God wants you to be tied together as a married couple. Talking about unmarried couple having sexual relations. The book of Corinthians talks about how they are joined to each other. It says, even like in the Corinthians, uh, many of them had sexual relations with with harlots and temple prostitutes. And he said, You're taking your body and your spirit, where the Holy Spirit is, and you're joining it to a harlot and her spirit and becoming one with them. And he says, Don't create that soul tie. Soul ties. The Bible says he can break every yoke. Hmm. I got some stories here. Uh, First, I'll read this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Listen to this. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with the idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Soul ties yoked together, alliances, unhealthy alliances. It can be partnerships in business where you have the values of a Christian and you want to honor God and you're in a partnership with an unbeliever and they want to cut corners and break laws and don't share your values. And you're all entangled, all entangled. And the temptation there would be what? To compromise? To compromise. And, of course, the, the biggest, obviously, is marriage, uh, a believer marrying an unbeliever, and being all tied up in that, and uh, you know that's that's a huge soul tie. And of course, two single people, and they act as if they're married. They live together, they dwell together, they they have sexual relations together, and they create this soul tie. But yet they're not married. It doesn't have the blessings of the Lord. And then they got to try to make that thing right, and it's all entangled. The Bible warns about this. It does. So I remember the story. This was years and years and years ago. We had this lady, young lady that was coming to our church, and uh, uh, she seemed to have, a, to me, a whole lot of promise. She was very committed. She was serving in the church, and uh, I saw the real work of God in her, and she's very committed to the church, and this was a good thing. But as she was coming, I, I came to a realization that she Uh, had a a romantic involvement with this guy that had just been released, that had spent some time in prison, been released, but wasn't serving the Lord at all, didn't honor God with his life. And I remember she came into my office, and I was going to talk to her about this relationship and things. And uh, so I started uh, having her explain how she met him and things like this. And as she began to talk about him, she would smile and she'd talk about how she can just talk and she could be herself and she just loves being with him. But he wasn't even a Christian, wasn't even a Christian. And I realized this lady has an unhealthy tie to this guy. I don't know if they were sleeping together. I don't know if they got that serious. But she has this unhealthy relationship with this guy. And sure enough, as the sun rises and east and sets in the west, uh, that relationship became very corrupting to her, led her heart away from God. She stopped attending our church, stopped really serving the Lord, kept in this relationship with this guy. I'm not sure how it all turned out through the years, but I remember that. She's got this yoke. She's yoked with him for some reason in her heart. I've seen many new believers unable to break free from unhealthy family ties. You know, they get saved. I remember uh, we we, uh, we brought this one couple to church. My wife and I. This was a number of years ago, and uh, the work of God was taking place, especially in the in the lady's life, and uh, she had responded to God to salvation. And uh, I still remember she came up to me after the service because her family background was was strong Roman Catholic, and she came up to me. I remember she was just standing right there. She said, "You know." Uh, I, this church is great, and I thank the Lord for you and what God is doing, but, you know, I'm just going, I'm going to have to go back to the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, our, our, our family goes there. This is expected of us, and there's a lot of contention because we're coming here, and I want there to be peace in my family, so we're going back there. Well, that's a, that's a, a soul tie. You know, she is unable to break the family tie there from parents and their expectation and it, it cost her, to me, real discipleship. Real discipleship in the Lord and growing in God is real compromise. I, I met this one guy, and uh, I'm just sharing stories here. to See if you can get what I'm talking about, these yokes, these soul ties, how it can just be so debilitating. Remember, I counseled a young man who, uh, for whatever reason in his heart, he developed a soul tie to genealogies and ancient bloodlines and really believed and thought that his future was somehow tied to ancient bloodlines, and he became fixated on it. Remember, I was warning him, because the Bible says, don't involve yourself in foolish genealogies and things like this. Nothing wrong with investigating, you know, uh, your ancestry. uh, You know, that would be good, you know, where you're from and uh, things of that nature. But to go into ancient genealogies and bloodlines as if the purpose of God uh, flows through that, and there's some secret thing coming your way because of these ancient bloodlines, it's, it's not for Christians. It's not God's will. If you're born again, old things have passed away, all things become new. God has a plan of purpose that has nothing to do with some ancient bloodline and ancestral relationship that makes you unique or special in God and gives you special revelation and understanding and insight, and that's what he was believing. And he was all tied up into it. He was. He had yoked himself up. His present and his future was tied into him. Investigating his past, Now, I remember it was flowing through uh, the, uh, flowing through uh, the the nation of uh, uh, of, of England. He had gone back. His ancestry's there, and everything that happened. It's almost like stargazing, where you think the alignment of the stars have something to do with your fortune, your future. God's plan for your life, and it has nothing to do with you. Who cares about the alignment of stars? God created you, He has a plan for you. They're just stars, balls of fire up there in a certain alignment, and people put such, and they get soul ties to their zodiac sign. as it has some type of gravitational pull on you and the blood vessels in your brain now think a certain way and make you act a certain way. Remember, it's important to me. I was a Sagittarius. And I'd read my horoscope every, every day in the newspaper because I thought that was pretty cool I'm a Sagittarius. And of course, then really, I ended up getting saved and the Lord just said, I don't want you even to read your horoscope anymore. Just put that away. Put that away. And so I did because I now serve the living God. Break that soul tie. The scripture says he can break every yoke. Jesus talks about this when he talks about uh, ties and yokes to family. In Matthew 12, then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and my brothers forever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother and so you know that that's a wonderful story if you read the context uh, they were accusing him of doing miracles by the power of satan you know he's 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 almost like demon possessed he's out of his mind and that's what they were saying about him and it's in that context that his mother and his brothers or outside the house, and they're out there. They want to speak to you, and a lot of commentators think that they, you know, they became concerned about these rumors, and, you know, they're going to take Jesus home, you know, to make sure he's in his right mind. They've been affected by what's being said about him. And Jesus says, you know what? My spiritual family, they're my mother's brothers and sisters. In other words, make Jesus your soul tie, We're to love our families. I understand that. But sometimes you got to make a break in order to to honor God and to serve God and to do His will. Am I right about that? We made a break, right? Serve the Lord. My wife and I are first-generation Christians. You have to make that break. I I was thinking about uh, different ones in the Scriptures who had to break off unhealthy relationships, alliances, or soul ties. David had to flee King Saul. Now that's an unhealthy soul tie. The king, he was the armor bearer, part of his army, sitting at his table, all that ambition, all that privilege, this little shepherd boy, he's in the palace, King Saul. And uh, he had to break that off and separate himself. The apostle Paul had to break away from Judaism and legalism, and law-keeping. He was a Pharisee. He had to break all those soul ties, all that position, that power, those relationships, all his ambition. Matter of fact, if you read Philippians chapter 3, he counted it dung. This is a, the, you know, when I think about the excellency of Christ and knowing Christ. All this stuff, it's a, it's a pile of Crap. Just a pile of crap, that's what he meant. just a pile of crap. I'm not going to hold on to this when I have the treasure of Jesus, right? I think of Rahab, that harlot there in the Old Testament, living in uh what was it Jericho, Jericho, and of course she's a harlot. She had to break the soul tie of sexual immorality and the Canaanite culture and all those relationships. Now, everybody that was in her house, that's probably family, were saved, right? But all the other relationships. She had to make a clean break of all that. And, you know, they came in, they killed everybody. But she hung that scarlet rope out which is the bloodline of Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. My faith is in him and his promises. It's what every believer does. We we hold fast to the Lord. We believe in Jesus. He establishes his will in our lives. And then he now becomes first. Everybody else comes after that. And when you make Jesus first, everybody else then becomes second, third, fourth, whatever it might be. I tell you what, it sets you free. It sets you free. You know, I have a wonderful soul tied to my wife, but Jesus first, my wife second. And that, that enables me to be the best husband I can be. Right? I don't ask her to love me more than she loves God. Because she, she's, she's her best towards me when she's her best towards God. Because that's priority. And when the priorities are straight, everything runs smoothly. Right? Hmm. Usually, if you have a problem with God, you then have your problem in your next relationship, which is your spouse. Problem with God, problem with spouse. If you have a problem with children, it's probably because you have a problem in your marriage. So God, then to marriage, then to children. And if you've got family problems, chances are it goes next to work-related issues. Things just flow like that when things get out of balance. But when everything is set right, everything's right with me and God, then it flows down to my relationship with my spouse, and then when my wife and I are good, then the family dynamics is healthy. When, the, when everything's good at home and at church, then everything t- t- flows much better at work. Come on, I'm telling you. So he can, he can break every yoke, right? He can let the oppressed go free, he can undo heavy burdens. He can loose the bonds of wickedness. In Psalm 1, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Cut off that soul tie. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. We need to make sure every relationship, including our relationship with the Lord and with people, is healthy. Healthy healthy. And if it's healthy, then he can break off every yoke. You don't have to be yoked up and burdened down and oppressed. Jesus can set you free. Well, this is God's chosen fast. This is what he wants to do on fasting. And so maybe if you have a relationship that just is unhealthy, and uh, matter of fact, let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this. Uh, the signs of an unhealthy soul tie. You left a relationship, but you think about the person obsessively. Number two, do you feel like the person is with you or watching you? Because he's just right there, right? Number three, you carry their offense whether or not you agree with them. Number four, you constantly defend your right to stay in the relationship even though it is destructive. Those are signs of unhealthy soul ties. Unhealthy soul ties. Listen, if you're married, you fight for your marriage. Fight for your marriage. I'm talking about unhealthy soul ties outside of that, all right? Praise the Lord. God is good. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Do you need to be set free from oppression, darkness, depression, despair, heavy discouragement, When you fast and pray, believe God to lift that off of you. You can set, be set free from that oppression. Man, if that's you, just acknowledge it before God right now with your head bowed. Man, I I am oppressed in this area. Man, I just life gets me down. The weight of my finances, the cares of this life. And what about an unhealthy yoke, an alliance, a relationship, a soul tie? Do you have one of those? God can set you free. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's what the Bible says. We love you, Lord. with the heads about just do business with the Lord do business with the Lord. Father, I thank you for our time together, Lord, and we're just seeking you these 21 days and believing that this fast will deliver us, set us free, minister to us, release us, encourage us, strengthen us, bring us to health in all areas of our life, Lord. We just trust you for it. We trust you for it. Whether you're heads bowed, if you're here tonight and perhaps you're not a Christian and you want to get saved you want to become a Christian. You're not a Christian, but you want to get saved. If that's you, just raise your hand, and I will pray with you tonight. Just lift your hand up. I will pray with you. You're here tonight, and you're not a Christian, and you want to give your heart to Christ. Just lift up your hand. I'll pray with you. All right, let's all stand. Let's close with worship. Can we do that?